the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along for the Monday edition of The Ride Home. Kath, good to see you today. Happy to be here, John. It's a sad day, though. Well, it's one of these days, right? Uh, of course, everybody knows the news about uh, NBA star, megastar Kobe Bryant. It's a very, um, what, uh, complex uh, thing. Now, for a lot of people, and I think this is true for a lot of people, especially in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh is not a an NBA town. So you really had to sort of follow the NBA on your own. We didn't have a home team, so to speak, of. Mm-hmm. But, of course, uh, you know, within the popular culture, Kobe Bryant was known very well. Oh, my gosh. You don't have to pay any attention to sports to know who Kobe Bryant was. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, yesterday, I'm sure you know the news, nine people, including Kobe Bryant and his young daughter, 13-year-old daughter, were killed in a... Uh, fog and shroud crash in California, and immediately there was an outpouring of grief. Uh, there's also, you know, um, I would say, people say, a, a complicated and brilliant legacy. Do we have to talk about how complicated his legacy is right now? I think this this no. is what happens. This, this is not. I, I think it's inappropriate. I think it It is, happened within an hour of his death. Yeah, I think it's a combination of the cynicism of modern-day America mixed with bad manners. I agree. Uh, that's a, but that's exactly where we are I mean, in this we have, world. We have a lot of time to discuss Kobe's complicated legacy. This is a time to grieve and mourn with the family, to recognize his greatness as an athlete, to recognize how much he changed the sport, to recognize how unusual it is that a kid can leave high school and enter the NBA right. with nothing in between. I mean, there are a lot of things that we should celebrate and that we should mourn over now without a doubt i i think the closest thing that we have here in pittsburgh is the uh, the sudden and tragic loss of roberto clemente in 1972 okay. you remember that well. like it was yesterday i was 15 years old and i was in my aunt and uncle's kitchen on new year's eve and after midnight i'm you know sitting listening to the radio uh listening to the top songs of the year and there was a special newscast break-in that Roberto Clemente had taken off, and his plane was missing. And I, I, like I said, I remember it very clearly. I listened to the uh, the radio until I went to sleep. The following morning, on January the first, I woke up with the certainty that Roberto was dead. And I think, you know, for me as a 15-year-old, that's the closest shock that I can remember, which I imagine many kids today feel mm-hmm. about Kobe Bryant. Yeah. That's a memory that you're like you remembered exactly where you were. And when I, this is going to be one of those times, yeah. right? That you're going to think I remember exactly where Without, I was when I heard the yeah, news. Yeah, I mean, about Kobe this. Bryant was a hero to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. He really was. I mean, what an incredible career! And for I think that 
The thing is, when someone passes suddenly, it imprints on your psyche so many memories, so many feelings, so many ideas mm-hmm. of what that person was to you. Yeah. So there is this, you know, it's a, it's odd, but it's also of the time, like you're talking about. It's a cultural moment where it's heightened by Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Well, yeah, because there's something weird about the fact that people who have never met him, who don't know anything about him, are claiming some piece of him to grieve over. And I get that he's a public figure, and I get that, I understand that. But there is something very different about what the average person is going through who did not know him, who's crying, you know, reading a news story, versus his family. Yeah, sure, I get that. But... And and the people who, do not, who did not know him and who are grieving or who are angry or who whatever should be quiet for a while and let the family grieve and have a sense of peace and calm and support. But just as I described as a 15-year-old kid who idolized someone, when that person goes away, you feel as though you have a I know, relationship I know. with and that I'm not, guy. I don't mean – maybe I was too harsh. In, I don't mean that, that you, people shouldn't feel that way or people shouldn't mourn or grieve. I, I, I get that. I'm just saying it's not – I, I think at times like this, we tend to over-emotionalize our own experience with people who are celebrities. Well, we have become very good at public grief in this world, have we not? Right. I mean, you look at, you know, what you go way back decades ago to Princess Diana and the mountain of flowers. Now, every time that there is a celebrity, in air quotes, who passes away, that same sort of memorial takes place, right? And we'll, we'll follow along very closely this week, of course, you know, with future funerals and memorial services and whatnot. Look, I mean, I didn't watch the Grammys last night, but apparently that's what it was mm-hmm. all about, about right. Kobe. Right. It's just where we are in, uh, yeah. in the world. Yeah, I'm not saying that you don't grieve. I'm not saying you're not sad. I'm just saying that maybe our emotional energy would be better spent in prayer for the people who knew him and loved him. Mm-hmm. Because that's where the real loss is. Right. Now, here's the good thing. Um, that people would talk about Kobe Bryant and past troubles and whatnot. The fact of the matter is that Kobe Bryant was a man of faith. And he went to church. He was a, a practicing, apparently serious Catholic. He had gone to Mass yesterday morning. And Kobe Bryant knew Jesus in his life. Let's play this clip. Here's a clip uh, from, I think, 2006. Stephen A. Smith. 2016. 2016. Okay, good. So talking, Stephen, Stephen A. Smith talks about some past troubles, of course, that well-documented that Kobe Bryant had. And here's a short exchange. What did you learn from that whole experience? Just having to go through what you went through. God is great. Is it that simple? God is great. Don't get no simpler than that, bro. Did you know that? I mean, I'm, I'm, everybody knows that, but the way you know it now, did you know it before that incident took place? You can know it all you want, but until you got to pick up that cross that you can't carry, and he picks it up for you and carries you and the cross, then you know. Then you know. All right. So it gives you confidence, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. That the name of Jesus will be proclaimed in these next weeks or so mm-hmm. as people associate Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. which is the good news. Yeah. Always. So our prayers... Our thoughts uh, with his wife, with his three remaining children, Mm -hmm. 
with his family, his friends, everyone who loves him, who knew him personally, and all of the community of people who were fans and who grieve and all of that, we think of all of them in a secondary fashion, but sure still we, we think of them. We need to take a, a quick break. This week in the nation's capitals, coming up next, we'll turn to Greg Clugston, SRN News White House correspondent. Trump's impeachment trial in the Senate continues, and we'll talk about it at the same time he's negotiating a Middle East peace plan. Hey, if you're an employer, a business owner, if you have five to 100 employees, listen up. The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, administrative duties, and liability than ever. And your health plan is a big part of that cost. Another year, another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in network. Isn't it time for a change? Call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept and reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30%. It doesn't matter when your renewal is. Marley can help you today. Call 724-884-1496. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496 or online at marleyfg.com. 101.5 WORD. Okay, everybody in the car. Where are we going, Daddy? On an adventure. Yay! Adventures in Odyssey. It's not just a kid's show. It's a show the whole family can enjoy. Listen on this station. Adventures in Odyssey. Tonight at 8 on 101.5 Word FM. WORD. Washington County parents, you have a choice in your child's education. So why not consider a private Christian school that's been serving the community for nearly 40 years? At Central Christian Academy in Houston, pre-K through 8th grade students receive the comprehensive education they need to propel them to the top of the class in high school and beyond. Central Christian Academy creates model student leaders other kids look up to. Students prepared for a world that needs Jesus. Schedule a private tour and learn more at ccaschool.com. An adjustable bed can elevate your sleep experience and make everyday activities like reading and watching TV more comfortable. But not all adjustable beds are created equal. You need one that has the right features for you, along with the power and durability to provide comfort for years to come. At the Original Mattress Factory, we recently improved the quality of our adjustable beds while making them even more affordable. And our new adjustable bases are designed to work with your existing wood, metal, or platform bed. Visit an Original Mattress Factory location to elevate your sleep experience today. People are like, you're a traveling comedian. You leave your house 10 days a month. That's got to hurt your marriage. Word FM presents Date Night with comedian Marty Simpson. It's like, you know, my marriage sometimes, pretty much all the time, benefits from me leaving occasionally. A night to laugh as a couple. February 14th at Christchurch at Grove Farm in Sewickley. It's just math. I'm going to annoy her less if I'm not there. General admission, just $30. VIP dinner tickets also available. Amen, brother. At wordfm.com slash date night. The impeachment proceedings of President Trump have fast-moving and many parts. Here to talk to us about that, always our first guest of the week is Greg Clugston from SRN News. Greg, welcome back. Happy Monday to you, sir. Hey, thanks very much, John. Hi, Kathy. Nice to hear from you, Greg. Okay, let's start with where we are, just as far as procedural things are going in the impeachment trial. So the uh, the defense team for President Trump is back making its presentation on the Senate floor today. 
they started on Saturday, uh, but only went about two hours on Saturday. And so they're probably going to put in a full close to eight hours today. And Jay Sekulow and other members of the uh, legal team said that they probably are not going to take the full 24 hours. So whether they finish tonight or they only go a part of tomorrow, that's likely going to be what will happen in terms of the president's defense. What has happened um, in the last 12 or 18 hours is the, the story about um, a book that is coming out in March from the former National Security Advisor John Bolton, mm-hmm. who left the Trump White House back in September. Now, if you, if you and I were talking on Friday or Saturday, I would have said, well, it looks as if uh, when the senators get to the question of whether or not to vote to have more witnesses introduced to this Senate impeachment trial, uh, I would have said that it doesn't look like the votes are there. Mm-hmm. I'm not today sure that the votes are there, but there seems to be a little bit more pressure on Republicans to at least consider talking to John Bolton, because his claim in the book is that there was a quid pro quo regarding um, Ukraine aid and an investigation of the Bidens. And, of course, that goes directly at the heart of the White House argument, because the president says that did not happen. So that's a very interesting twist here in the last day. And so how likely is that to happen, Greg? Well, you need four Republicans to side with every single Democrat to vote to introduce or to have more witnesses. Uh, You have to get the simple majority of 51 and there are 47 Democrats right now. So you had Mitt Romney, a Republican this morning, say that he felt that to be an impartial juror, he would want to hear from John Bolton. So he's one vote. Uh, Senator Susan Collins of, of Maine is another who has indicated she's willing there. So it's really um, it's a math game at this point of finding a couple of more at least Republicans that would be willing to do that, and we simply don't know the answer right now. But Democrats have to know, Greg, that if they decide to go for, you know, the opening of the door to witnesses, then we could end up with Joe Biden up there. We could end up with Hunter Biden up there. Yeah, that is, uh, you're right. That's the flip side to the the scenario of moving forward. Um, There are pluses and minuses, uh, depending on what side uh, is making the case there. And certainly Republicans in the White House would, would push for, for those kinds of, of people. Uh, and then, of course, the, it, it raises the whole question of, well, how long will this process last? How, how much would it lengthen the Senate impeachment trial? Is the Senate as a whole willing to move forward with this? Because while there's a lot of attention to the math of finding 51 um, in terms of getting a simple majority to go either yes or no on witnesses, the ultimate vote on conviction is 67 votes. And I don't know that there's anybody who thinks that the Republic, you know, that enough Republicans will peel away to join Democrats to actually vote to remove President Trump from office. But of course, Democrats are saying, but you need to hear the evidence from Bolton and others, perhaps, before you make that decision. Mm-hmm. So it's a circular argument, uh, and it all depends on who you're listening to. So then how do you plan the timeline for this, Greg? I mean, there, there's so many unknowns. Say that uh, no uh, witnesses were called, then what are we looking at? Um, at least that's one path forward. Okay, so after the White House defense uh, concludes its 24 hours or up to 24 hours, of its presentation, which would which would end perhaps say sometime tomorrow, the next phase of the trial is 
16 hours of questions that senators can submit in writing. And these would be questions posed at either the House managers or the White House lawyers. 16 hours of questions. I just have to highlight that. Yeah, and answers. Hopefully that includes the answers and not just the questions, right? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, but essentially you're looking at another two days. So if the White House wraps up tomorrow and they move to the question and answer period, and that's Wednesday and Thursday, um, you would think possibly, John, that there could be a vote as soon as Friday or Saturday uh, to, to have the witnesses or additional evidence presented. All right. Well, then that's good news, right? There may be some uh, end in sight. Right. It could it could be wrapped up by this weekend if, as we talked about, there is this move or this push to introduce evidence through uh, additional documents or by uh, getting testimony from additional witnesses. That, of course, is a wild card, and, and uh, you know all bets are off as to how long the the trial would go. But uh, it seems, minus this this Bolton book. Uh, revelation that we're on track for it ending by the end of the week. Okay. Now, Greg, let's talk about the senators who are trapped in the room, who are unable to access anything but water or milk during these long proceedings. And those who are interested in becoming the next president are uh, must be very unhappy. Yeah, it was interesting how you had such a, you, you know, you had a, a short session on Saturday from what was it? It was only 10 till noon, just a little afternoon. And as soon as that trial proceeding got finished on Saturday, you had the Democratic presidential candidates who are senators race to the airport and, and go to Iowa. Plane out to the campaign trail. Yeah, because yeah. the Iowa caucuses are right around the corner. And so they squeezed in a little bit of uh, of campaigning. And uh, we're back here in Washington today for uh, for the next round of, of the Senate trial. So it, it really is... Um, you know, some would, some would argue it's it's unfair to them because uh, they don't have any control over the Senate impeachment trial schedule. Uh, but that was that was a real problem um, internally a lot among a lot of Democratic officials when you had 30 days or so of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi sitting on the impeachment articles before formally mm-hmm. sending them over to the Senate because there were some who said if she had acted sooner, then uh, some of these presidential candidates possibly wouldn't be put in this situation. SRN News White House correspondent Greg Clugson is with us. So, Greg, let's move forward and talk about um, some actual work that is trying to be done, the president and a Middle East peace plan in the works. Right. He had uh, back-to-back meetings, the president did, today with the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and Netanyahu's political rival, um, Mr. Kant, because these two have been uh, through a series of elections ending in ties, and so that is a still unresolved race for prime minister of Israel. So the president wanted to meet with both of these leaders, potential, you know, the current prime minister and the potential next prime minister, uh, to talk about specifics regarding the Middle East. And tomorrow, Standing side by side with Netanyahu, the president is going to unveil his proposed Middle East peace plan, which has been long in the works. And, of course, every recent American president has put some effort forward to try and resolve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict uh, with varying degrees of success. And to be honest, it's been a stalemate for a very, very long time. So while the president is hopeful that all sides, including the Palestinians, will be a part of this, uh, there's a lot of speculation and even some skepticism about 
um, how 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 the two sides will embrace this. In fact, the Palestinians have already discounted it somewhat. But the president said earlier today he thinks they might still come around because he says they have incentive to uh, to have peace with Israel. Mm-hmm. So, Greg, uh, talk about that when the foreign. Right. Whenever Israel, whenever Palestine or whomever looks at the president under attack, how does that affect or not their dealings with the president? Any insight there? Yeah, that's an interesting question, because obviously, if uh, if a president or any leader is viewed as vulnerable or targeted or, um, you know, maybe even a short termer in terms of uh, longevity of being in office, um, then whether you're talking Middle East peace or whether you're talking trade deals or other other discussions that leaders and countries may have, uh, that could be seen as a potential problem. But in this case, uh, Israel is such a is a such a close ally with the United States, and Netanyahu and and Donald Trump in particular have been very close allies, and there's been a lot of support from the Trump administration for Israel. In fact, that that's what makes the timing of of the proposal tomorrow that's going to be un, un, you know unveiled or released is that the the Trump administration has taken so many pro-Israeli steps during the Trump administration. When you look at uh, recognizing Jerusalem as the capital, moving the U.S. embassy there, closing down some Palestinian offices here in the United States, so the Palestinians are are, are not terribly happy with the Trump administration. So we'll we'll have to see. Their initial reaction is very cold toward this proposal, but the president insists that it's good for everybody and. He thinks it's a great plan. And, of course, the president's strategy in all of this, Greg, is to not be uh, the Richard Nixon who was cowering in the White House right. during uh, dur- during the uh, the hearings about impeachment, right? He's going to be out. He's going to be doing the nation's business. He's going to be acting like a president. In fact, isn't the State of, U- isn't the, State of the Union coming up next week? Yeah, it's a week from tomorrow oh, night. Goodness. And so uh, it's possible the trial will be over by then if, for some reason, it's lengthened. Uh, and that happens, that would be a clash of, of those two events happening. The president had a very full schedule last week. Of course, he started the week uh, in Switzerland at the economic summit. He had traveled down to Florida to the RNC winter meeting last Thursday. And even tomorrow, after he meets with uh, Netanyahu again and talks about the Middle East peace plan, he's off to another evening political rally tomorrow night, and he's going to sign the USMCA Canada-Mexico trade deal on Wednesday. So the White House has been very eager to have the president um, active and busy during the Senate impeachment trial period. Yes. So, Greg, uh, just take a moment and talk about yourself. I mean, here you are in the thick of this, covering uh, the impeachment proceedings for SRN News. You must eat, sleep, breathe, dream of this. (laughs) Yeah, thankfully I haven't had any dreams about this yet, but you're right on the other two. Uh, yeah, it's it's just one of those things. It goes with the territory of of being in journalism and and, and covering breaking news and and this and in this case political news involving the White House and the president. And so yeah, there have been and are going to continue to be some long days. Uh, and I've I've listened to uh, the evidence not only during the House hearings and the gathering process on the House side, but. You know the presentation on the Senate side, which is uh, has been in large case a review of all of the material that we heard in those hearings back in the fall as well. So there is a, there is um, 
you know, a lot of us that are running on adrenaline at this point. Mm-hmm. But and and at one point, I was joking with uh, with a colleague when Ken Starr, who was part of the White House defense team, making his argument earlier this afternoon. I looked at the television screen and said, "Is this 1999 in the Clinton right, trial, right. or is it 2020?" <laughs> right. Back to the future. Oh my gosh. Okay. Before you leave us, Greg, and I know I'm catching you off guard here, but. Um, in all your immersion in this, is there anything that's happened so far in the impeachment trial that's either been surprising or not as you expected? Uh, I would say right off the bat, nothing that has been entirely um, surprising. Okay. Uh, what's interesting is, is, is Adam Schiff is a very polarizing figure, it seems. And while there are those who will say uh, that he is a very skilled orator and he is a very skilled prosecutor, He's made a couple of missteps. He made a misstep in his own House intelligence hearing when he paraphrased—excuse me—paraphrased uh, the call log right. or the uh, transcript yes. of, of the call that the president made with Ukraine. And then he made uh, some infl- used some inflammatory language uh, in his final statements as he wrapped up on Friday. And so, for all of his strengths as a prosecutor, there were a couple of missteps. And I thought it was very interesting that the uh, the White House legal team—the very first video clip they played on Saturday was of Schiff paraphrasing mm-hmm. that call log, right. which was because uh, that was, was pre- that was prejudicial right out of the gate. It was, and there are a lot of people, including lawmakers and Republicans, who are sitting as jurors in this Senate trial who uh, have not forgiven Schiff for that. So that, that that's an interesting sidebar, not surprising, but interesting to follow along. Well, Greg, as always, we certainly appreciate uh, you keeping your eye on things for us to uh, distill the proceedings mm-hmm. and giving us a clear and concise uh, reporting of what's happening in the nation's we're, capital. We're glad to have you on the scene, Greg, even if you are um, perhaps weakening. Do you need food, <laughs> rations, anything? Yeah, thank granola bars and uh, sweet dreams. Thank you, Greg. Greg Cluxton, SRN News, White House correspondent. Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of BestHotGrill.com. Just because it's cold outside, it doesn't mean you need to stop grilling, not if you've got the right grill, and that would be a Solaire infrared grill. Solaire infrared grills perform equally well in the cold of winter as in the heat of summer. Just like you feel warm from the sun when you step out of the shadows, the Solaire infrared burners heat your food directly, not the air around the food like conventional grills do. The intense heat also results in the juiciest food you will ever taste from a grill, gas, charcoal, or otherwise. To get the great taste, it's all about the heat. And Solaire Infrared from BestHotGrill.com gets hotter than anything you've ever experienced. Try it yourself with the Solaire Demo Program. Solaire is truly the last grill you'll ever buy. Learn more about these amazing USA-made grills at BestHotGrill.com. That's BestHotGrill.com. BestHotGrill.com. If you'd like a smartphone that's really smart, download the OnePlace.com app the app that will inspire your faith daily and provide answers to the biggest questions of all. OnePlace lets you download your favorite pastor's programs and listen even offline or in airplane mode with easy connections to your Bluetooth speaker or dashboard. To download your free OnePlace app, visit the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store for your Android device and search for OnePlace. 
That's one place. Howard Thurman's theology of radical nonviolence inspired a generation of civil rights leaders and gave a voice to the disinherited. Join Pittsburgh Theological Seminary for the sixth annual Community Conversation on Race and Faith, Friday, February 7th at 5.30 p.m., featuring a free screening of Backs Against the Wall, the Howard Thurman story, followed by a discussion with Emmy Award-winning filmmaker Martin Doblemeyer and Professor Walter E. Fluker. Free and open to the public. Details at pts.edu. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit ExtremeTruck.net. 412-257-1006, ExtremeTruck.net. You want an insurance provider that lets you customize your coverage so you only pay for what you need? Try Liberty Mutual Insurance. Want to hear our new jingle? Here you go. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Want to hear it again? Liberty, 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 Liberty. We are everywhere on your radio at 101.5 WORD-FM, Pittsburgh, at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at radio.com. Let's face it, we love Alexa, and we'd love to let her find your favorite radio station. This one, of course. She could find us easier if we taught her a simple skill. To get started, simply say, Alexa, enable the Word Pittsburgh skill. And after she confirms, you can then say, Alexa, play the Word Pittsburgh. That's all you have to do, and Alexa will learn how to find us. You can listen to us through your Amazon Echo, Echo Show, Echo Dot, and Amazon Tap devices. Alexa, what is your favorite radio station? That's easy. Word 101.5. Tonight, cloudy with a few flurries, low 28. Cloudy tomorrow with flurries, high 35. Mostly cloudy tomorrow night, low 22. Wednesday, some sunshine, high 35. Thursday, turning out partly sunny, high 39. Cloudy on Friday with a high of 40. Saturday, cloudy with a couple of flurries around, high 41. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. The Oscars 2020 Best Picture nominations, of course, have been announced. They were several weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nine films are now competing to take home the most most prestigious award in film, John. And in our next segment, we're going to talk to Tim Mulhoff about what our understanding of love and marriage would be if we only learned about relationships from these films (laughs) this year. But before we do that... I yeah. want to ask general feelings. So I, I want to read you the nominees for Best Picture. Sure. And I'll ask you about a couple of them. Okay, yeah. Um, because I know you're terrific in seeing films, and I'm interested in what you have to say about these. So the Best Picture nominees for this year are Ford versus Ferrari, mm-hmm. The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Yes. So let's start with, let's start at the beginning. Let's start with Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, uh, Ford versus Ferrari. I loved it. It was a really unusual film. Okay. And then it was about cars and car racing. I mean, you don't see a lot of that, yeah. you know, unless it's, you know, the Fast and Furious franchise. But it's really well done. And even if you're not like, you know, a car aficionado, it's well worth Okay, so uh, yeah. you can enter in even if oh, that's not your subculture. Without a doubt. Okay. It's super exciting and very, very well done. And some beautiful cars. Oh, my gosh. What, yeah. Those Ferraris. Oh, it's Get gorgeous. Out of here. And the Fords yeah. themselves. It's a, and it's, it's a nice historical story as well. So if you are a car geek, you fall into a whole other vein. Okay. All right. Let me ask you about Marriage Story. I love Marriage Story. 
uh, Adam Driver, just really powerful. And it's one of these things where it's the it's, it's a tragedy because it's a dissolution of a marriage. And of course, you know, you're watching it. This is Laura you, Linney. Am uh, I right about that? No, this is. Um, uh, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. All right. You mean her? Yeah. I love her. No. Anyway, it's a dissolution of the marriage, and you're watching. Can you look it, that up for me, Mike. You're you're watching the film take place. You're watching the marriage take place, and of course, I'm watching it with my wife. And of course, any married couple who goes in there, you know, you you sort of implant your imprint your marriage on top of the movie. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so, marriage story. So, better or worse than Ford versus Ferrari? No, I know. Here's the deal. I, but that's what it is. I look at all these films, and I think. Uh, if any one of these films were Best Picture, and there's some films on this list that also should be included because they were all excellent movies. Uh, the, the, the Oscars are kind of silly in a way. Why would you try to just yeah, well, give one prize? Yeah, you're right. I mean, of course, these we are all the Oscars fine. are silly. These, yeah, they've been silly for a years. They're wonderful films. How can you go wrong? All right. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, I loved it. Um, Brad, um, Brad Pitt. Outstanding. Mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio. It's a little time capsule. It's really sort of like, you know. Is uh, it fun? Well, I mean, considering, you know... Who, what it's about. Yeah, what it's about. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun in a way. And usually, you know, um, the filmmaker, extremely violent. Uh, there's violence in it, but not until... This is a Quentin Tarantino it film. It is a Quentin Tarantino. It's an unlikely Quentin Tarantino film in that the violence is muted until the end. But it's really... Yeah, I love the film. Mm-hmm. Jojo Rabbit. Loved it. Loved it. It's an odd film in that it's a satire of Nazi Germany. It is deeply, at first you kind of go, where am I? What's this all about? Uh, um, Is it okay to laugh? Um, Mm. Please go see this film, Jojo Rabbit. It's still in theaters. It has a lot to teach? Oh, it's really a wonderful, yeah, it really does. Excellent movie. All right. Um, 1917. 1917 is um, famous for its one shot, you know, its one take. It's a story of World War I, obviously, uh, told through the eyes of two young soldiers as they make their way to the front to stop an attack. Fabulous. Again, go see this film. Uh, Irishman. Oh, yeah. The Irishman, you can see that right now on Netflix. I liked it. It was good. Um, you didn't it's love Scorsese. it. I didn't love it, um, but I liked it. It's Scorsese. So you know what you're getting into when you see Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. Does it hold up to his other films? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's not a great film. Um, it's a good film. Joker. Okay. I mean, for all that's been written about right, the Joker. Right is- okay. I mean, it was fine. Okay. No big deal. All right. Um, Parasite. Parasite is uh, really interesting. I loved it. A very strange film from a South Korean director. The story Subtitled? Of a, um, uh, I believe, you know, I forget if it is. Um, I'm not that sure. That's a good sign. Yeah. Um, I, subtitles don't bother me. They yeah. never have. You just kind of sit and, you, you know, you watch it. It's a story of a family that takes over another family, essentially. Thus, the parasite comes in. I loved it as well. And Little Women you haven't seen yet? No, and I'm sorry that I didn't see Little Women. My wife and my son went to see it, and I was doing something else, so I'll go back and see it. Now, there's been a lot of backlash of guys going, or about filmmakers going, well, a lot of guys won't go see Little Women. But I do know the, the guys who went and saw it, because, you know, it's, a, it's supposedly a women's film. Right. They love the film. Okay. Did your wife like it? She loved it. Did and she? so did my 19-year-old okay. kid. All right. Yeah. Okay, if you were having a ballad of your own... That would count for something other than trying to best me. And to give best picture to one of these? Who, well, who would you bet? Oh, what would you pick? Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, Jojo Rabbit is so unique. I, I would have to, you know, in some ways go with that. Although I did love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
Um, those are probably my two top choices within that. However, I would also like to give it to Uncut Gems, the Adam Sandler film, which is not even on the list. And he wasn't nominated either. No, he wasn't. And that's a wonderful film. And what about 1917 and all your love for that? I did love it. Well, you're no help. No, I'm not. No. Golly. Just go to the movies because you like the movies. That's all. All right. All right. Coming up next, what would we know about love and relationships if we only had these films to learn from? That's next. Dr. Tim Muloff. W-O-R-D. Everywhere you go, anywhere you go, Word FM goes with you. That's because we're no longer trapped inside a radio. We're now everywhere you are, and you carry us around in your pocket. We're ubiquitous. There's an app for that, right? On TuneIn, on iHeart, on our own app, on WordFM.com. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone. On your iPad, iPhone, and Android. We're always with you because we're inside your pocket. Whatever you do, don't lose us. 101.5 W-O-R-D. If this were just any door, and this were just any ignition, connected to just any transmission, in just any vehicle, then perhaps it would be okay to buy it from just anyone. But this is not just any car. It's a certified pre-owned Mercedes-Benz. Every detail has been inspected and road tested by highly skilled Mercedes-Benz technicians, and it's all backed by an unlimited mileage warranty which makes the decision of where to buy one simple. Your authorized Mercedes-Benz dealer. The certified pre-owned sales event going on now through March 7th. Come in today and enjoy a credit of up to $1,500 towards your first two payments through Mercedes-Benz Financial Services. Because in the end, it's absolute confidence in genuine Mercedes-Benz parts, or it isn't. It's either Mercedes-Benz certified pre-owned, or it isn't. See your authorized Mercedes-Benz dealer for complete details and limitations on credit towards your first two months payment and certified pre-owned warranties. At the Original Mattress Factory, we believe that when something belongs to you, you'll work to make it the best it can be. That's why every OMF employee is also an owner. From the factory to the sales floor to the delivery team, being an owner means that we take pride in all that we do. Each of our employee owners has a customer-first focus to provide not only a better mattress, but a better mattress shopping experience. Visit a location near you or go to OriginalMattress.com to see the Original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. Shalom. Hi, I'm Abraham Sandler, Congregational Leader of Rock of Ages Messianic Jewish Congregation. I've also had the joy of leading worship, especially Messianic Jewish worship, for many years. How would you like to go on a tour of Israel with me? We invite you to spend time with Jesus and his people in his land. You'll have time to hear teaching, worship, and pray at many significant locations throughout Israel, including some not on other tours. Early registration and soon to go to our website, rockofagesmjc.org. That's rockofagesmjc.org. For your next event, instead of worrying about catering to your guests, why not just enjoy them? The Cooked Goose Catering Company provides homemade satisfaction that puts you at ease, whatever the occasion, like their roast beef and stuffed chicken breast with mashed or roasted potatoes and green beans, just $10.95 a person. Visit cookedgoosecatering.com word and see what's cooking. The Cooked Goose Catering Company, just good food. Okay, so we were talking about uh, the best of the pictures, the movies for the Oscars. And uh, Tim Uloff is back with us. Tim's a regular guest on our show. He, uh, he joins us from Biola University, the author of Winsome Persuasion. His latest book is called Defending Your Marriage, The Reality of Spiritual Battle. Tim, uh, friend, welcome back to the show. How are you today, sir? 
Oh, it's great to be back. Talk about one of my favorite things, movies. Yeah, mine too. Thanks a lot for being with us. Okay, so yeah. you want to talk about all these movies, the best of films for 2020 from a marriage perspective. Well, we do this podcast with the uh, Biola Center for Marriage and Relationships. It's called The Art of Relationships, and we did it last year. It was crazy successful. If all we knew about love, sex, dating, marriage, and commitment came from the movies that were nominated, what would be the messages that we would get? And we do a whole Facebook Live event, and thousands and thousands of people tuned into it. It was really fun to do. Nice. Okay, so then kick us off. If you're going to learn about marriage from the best of 2020 movies, which take us on, on the first thread. What, what movie would that be? Well, let's start with the obvious one. Marriage Story is a stunning cautionary tale about divorce and about the book of Proverbs that life and death comes through the tongue. And there are riveting performances, Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson. There are two scenes where language tests commitment, it tests civility, it tests us as individuals. It's a courtroom scene. And then there's another one where they try to talk it out and it just deteriorates into this heartbreaking um, moment of angst. And so commitment is really tested in this film. Um, Basically, the reason they're divorcing is they feel like you stopped believing in me. You stopped uplifting me. You stopped believing in my dreams. You became a, a, a barrier to some of my dreams. I, I became less. You became greater. And it happened through ambition, uh, language. And, and it's just a cautionary tale of to us as Christian marriages that, listen, there's only a handful of reasons perhaps you can get a divorce in the Bible. And what we saw in Marriage Story, I don't think qualifies for a biblical reason to get a divorce. It was a difficult marriage. Uh, They started to lose their self-esteem. It was hard. But I don't think that rises to what the Bible says biblical commitment is Mm -hmm. to a marriage. Mm -hmm. And it is. I mean, those two scenes that you talk about, they're fascinating in some ways because it almost felt like improvisation where, you know, Mm. again, I'm telling, you know, I told Kath this, you know, you see your own marriage imprinted on this marriage as you see it on the screen. And of course, you're watching it with your spouse and you think, do I do that? Have I done that? Mm. What about me? You know, it's it's just a really incredible movie. And it is a cautionary tale of what not to do in your own marriage. Yeah, remember, so the scene, we're, we're trying not to do spoilers here, Thank but you. the scene we're talking about in the living room, Yes, it, it, to me, it was stunning Adam Driver's performance. Mm-hmm. There, there's a moment that feels so authentic. And I just wanted to say to the TV, we watched it on Netflix, we said, hey, take that energy, that passion, and fight for your marriage, mm-hmm. right? Because there was angst. You could, And again, we, we say in marriage research, we say uh, the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. So he was exhibiting deep emotions, and John Gottman, one of the top marriage researchers in the world, says, show me a couple who argues, I can save the marriage. Show me a couple who doesn't, I'm not sure I can, I can save it. But I, I think Gottman would look at this couple and all the emotion in that one scene, and he would say, guys, I think I can work with this. I think there's something there that you can turn around and maybe uh, repair this marriage. Tim Muehlhoff is with us, professor of communication at Biola University and author of Defending Your Marriage, The Reality of Spiritual Battle. We're talking about uh, what if all we understood about love, marriage, and sex was based on what messages we got from this year's Mm -hmm. Oscar-nominated films. Okay, so Tim, go and talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as far as marriage is concerned. 
Yeah, so one, way too long. Way, come on. Way too long. I saw my life flash before my eyes a couple of times. It was long. I liked it. But, but here, oh, I liked it too. Oh, absolutely, I liked it. He, he, uh, Quentin Tarantino is brilliant. Um, but it, it's a view of masculinity. It, it, I would put this in the same category as the Irishman and Ford versus Ferrari. There's kind of like this with a swan song to a, to a certain version of masculinity, the, literally an aging Western star riding off into the sunset, and then you get a stunt, uh, you know, his stunt double who, who recognizes he's a mess. And, and so for that type of masculinity that we once all so greatly admired, right, in, in the very Westerns that Leonardo DiCaprio's character performs, I now think we step back. I now think we look at that and we think, yeah, you know, that wasn't as attractive to me as it used to be. Um, th- this type of I'm a lone gunslinger. It's just me, my horse and my destiny. And, and um, I, I think we even look at um, the stunt character and think, I don't think I want that life. I, mm-hmm. I don't. I want to look like him. I want to take my shirt off on a roof and just have people go, wow, right. he's cut, right? I'd do that. Yeah. But even Brad Pitt said, hey, I'm, I look great on the outside. I'm a mess on the mm-hmm. inside. He said that in an interview, and I think we see that in his character. So I think what we learn about commitment, uh, marriage, relationships, is that you, you, you can't have this autonomy and then add a marriage to it. Mm-hmm. You have to give up some of your autonomy. And I think that was true of the, well, the Irishman we can talk about in different ways. So I, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a bit of a cautionary tale of also about that this hyped up masculinity that maybe it is a bit toxic. Yeah. Okay, but let me ask you what the women's response was in the conversation and the feedback you had from people. Because you said that as a man, you look at that fading Western view and you say, you know what, I, that does, that's not as appealing as it, as it used to be. What did women think? I do think women um, are more sophisticated in the fact that they are looking for certain... In- now, this is what's reported, right? It is certain uh, levels of intimacy that I, I think they're starting to see that this toxic mas- masculinity just doesn't provide me. There's no room for me in the relationship. So I, I think women are onto this as well. I think um, there has to be give and take in a marriage. So take a look at Ford versus Ferrari, which I, I have a problem with, in the fact that uh, the uh, driver's character, right, is, is a workaholic. He's impossible to work with. He's stubborn, and I don't think that was explored enough in the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, how, how do you live with a person who's like that? I thought that guy um, was a bit too glamorized in Ford versus Ferrari that you get these mavericks, right, who are going to take on uh, Le Mans um, and take on Ferrari, and, and then you think, well, how do you live with a person that is so passionate about a cause? I, I just wonder about that. Yeah. So, uh, in Once Upon a Time in America and Ford versus Ferrari, all, all of our antiheroes essentially, at the end of the day, they go home and they sit in their easy chair and have a drink. Yeah. Yeah. And add to that the Irishman, right? Oh my gosh. Uh, to me, the saddest of all the movies. And, and 1917 was brilliant. It, it was brilliant in its sadness. Um, but in, in The Irishman, the closing scene, oh which I, I can't go into detail, 
honestly haunts me mm-hmm. that, that here's a, a version mm-hmm. of masculinity. You touch my daughter, you touch my daughter, you put hands on my daughter, I'm going to beat you to a pulp. Yeah. Right? And, and it scared her. She looked at that out of control masculinity where he literally destroys a man right in front of her and she never recovers from it ever right right and so i think we have to back off and what i appreciated about the irishman is you saw what his life ended with right he left his wife for no apparent great reason except that he meets a a woman who's more seductive more attractive um and then at the end of his life he's left with the ruins of uh of life choices right betraying a friendship um, seeking forgiveness from a dog. That's another interesting thing about the Irishman is when do you bestow forgiveness? Because remember, the daughter rebuffs his efforts continually. Right. What do you, what do you do? What are the conditions for forgiveness with a person who is clearly a toxic individual? That's an interesting question. When he himself didn't really need forgiveness from the priest. Right. Offered absolution, and he mentions one phone call, and he says, what kind of man does that? Yeah, is that. maybe this one little peek into his soul. But at the end, I, I think that was just tragic. Hey, 1917 is fascinating. We know from divorce research that we see spikes in the divorce rate after uh, military conflict. So after World War I, World War II, Korean War, Vietnam, um, Iraq... Um, we see huge spikes in the divorce rate because people come back and they don't have the tools and the resources to deal with the trauma. And watching World, you know, World War One on a big screen, these are damaged people oh coming back. And I don't know how you cannot be damaged. I mean, these are amazing, heroic individuals. But the trench warfare was subhuman. Horrific. It, it truly was. Yeah. It was horrific. Yeah. Um, Tim Uhoff from Biola University. Okay, so Tim, the, the thread then is that, you know, even in this era of, of woke or hashtag me too, Hollywood has, at least this year, produced throwbacks of old-fashioned toxic masculinity. Yeah, I think so. And then we get the wild card, which is the Joker, which is, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix, I think, is a lock for best actor. I think he'll walk away with that. Yeah, I think so. But it's a disturbing, disturbing movie that is so (sighs) biblical in the sense of saying, is it possible this darkness is in all of us? Is it possible that there is something within us if we gave into it? Without the restraining power of the Holy Spirit for Christians, and even for non-Christians, the restraining power of God's common grace, I think there's a darkness that is there in the Joker that in my darker moments, where, where I'm mad and angry and, and I could give in to that, and I think Joker is a great cautionary tale obviously, of a man who, for a multitude of reasons, without giving away too much, mm-hmm. gives into it and yeah. fantasizes about it to certain levels. And I think it's a, it's, it's a cautionary tale about giving into our, not better angels, but to the worst part of ourselves, to quote Lincoln. That's fascinating. Well, Tim, I'll tell you, uh, it's a very unique perspective you gave us today to look at the best pictures through the lens of marriage. And uh, we appreciate that perspective. Maybe uh, next month, the, uh, when you join us, the Oscars will be over. You sort of give us a recap. Yes, and can I do my pick real quick? Please I, do. I heard you totally bow out on your pick, John. Yeah. I tried so hard, Tim. Uh, I know, Kathy. Here's mine. Okay, I'm ready. Drum roll. Please. Uh, I think it's Marriage Story. Oh. Do you really? Once in a while, there comes a movie 
that just grips people. Yeah, and I really? think okay. marriage stories the movie. All right. I'll, I'll be surprised. All right. All right. This is marriage story. All right. We've got to get out of here. Tim, thanks an awful Terrific. lot. Terrific. Thanks, Tim. From Biola University, Tim Muehlhoff, Defending Your Marriage, The Reality of Spiritual Battle, his latest work. Tim Muehlhoff. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 400,000 businesses. And right now, listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com America. That's ZipRecruiter.com America. One more time. To try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com America. When you're searching for a new mattress, you may be faced with the choice between a traditional inner spring or memory foam mattress. But you don't have to choose. You can get the active support of a high-quality inner spring with the comfort of memory foam in the new hybrid mattresses from the original Mattress Factory. With two new hand-built hybrid models to choose from, you can expect the latest in sleep innovation at the same high-quality and factory-direct pricing you've come to expect from the original Mattress Factory. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more. When the original Mattress Factory first opened for business, we offered mattresses that were the same quality as the mainstream brands, but at a fraction of the cost. Our Factory Direct model made it easy for customers to understand they were getting a great value. But over the last few decades, the mainstream mattress brands have made major cuts to quality, while the original Mattress Factory's quality has only improved. And we still cost less than those other brands. We know that all sounds too good to be true. That's why we're inviting you to stop by one of our stores or factory locations to see the original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. It's long, over a thousand chapters, over 30,000 verses. No wonder so many of us have never read it cover to cover. Want to do it? Want to read the entire Bible? Start today at BibleStudyTools.com. BibleStudyTools.com includes Bible in a Year, an interactive plan for reading, learning, and understanding the Bible. Deepen your faith and impact your walk with God one day at a time. Bible in a Year, just one of the new interactive Bible study tools at BibleStudyTools.com. Is sarcasm. This year, resolve to laugh a little more. Which is perfect because my wife's is uh, words of affirmation. Word FM presents Date Night with comedian Marty Simpson. She's like, honey, oh, you don't even have to mean it. You just have to say it and shower me with praise. I was like, oh, what can be that? Valentine's Day at Christ Church at Grove Farm in Sewickley. This food that you cooked, did you follow the recipe or did you just. General admission, just $30 at wordfm.com slash date night. Because I'm telling you, it is fantastic. PG. Adam Bittner says this, uh, Pittsburgh isn't just a football team. In Wallet Hub's eyes, it is the football team. The Personal Finance website released its annual ranking of the best cities for fans of NFL football. Pittsburgh has topped the list for the second year Wait, so we're the best row. football town. Yes, for the best fans for football. Mm-hmm. Huh. The rankings consider 21 metrics, awarding points for things like past championships, ticket prices, social media engagement, 
And, of course, uh, the Steelers, buoyed by the decades of championship-level performance, finished with a top score of 63.1, easily beating out Boston, Boston. at 56.1. Boston. Dallas, 53.4. Ah. Green Bay, 53.2. And New York at 48.3. Ah, New York had to get its mm-hmm. nose in there somewhere. Wallet Hub did not release performance for each category. It did highlight some of the cities that fared well. Uh, coming in, the city did overall uh, for 14 for football, uh, college football, the city of Pittsburgh did, okay. which is surprising, and number four for stadium access, and number one for overall NFL fan engagement. Okay. All right. All right, so we have a lot of fan engagement for the Steelers. Mm-hmm. We do not have a lot of fan engagement for Pitt football. I'll no, tell you no, that no, right no. now. I Arguably, there's more engagement for Penn State football yeah. than there is for Pitt football. Hey, uh, um, so what are you doing for the Super Bowl? I don't have a plan. Yeah. Do you have a plan? I do not. I often like to just sit alone, quite right. honestly. Or just, yeah, I know. Because I, I don't want to make small talk during the game. I want to watch the game. Right. Right. So well, we, we could be together because we don't have to talk. No, we just but <laughs> sit if we're, there. But if we're with other people, they're going to expect Shh, us to be friendly. On, just, and now what are we going to say? And I gotta, people are going to be like, oh, Johnny Kathy, they're so standoffish. Just have some chips. Yeah. That's all. And enjoy the game. Okay. It's coming up Sunday, right? Sunday, what, what time's kickoff? What if I put my AirPods in? <laughs> it's 6.30. so social. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh on your smart speaker by saying play the word Pittsburgh and on your phone via the Word FM mobile app iHeart tune in and at radio.com with SRN News I'm John Scott President Trump's impeachment defense has resumed in earnest in the U.S. Senate following a brief session on Saturday the White House defense team challenging a lack of constitutional due process and fundamental fairness by the Democratic-led House impeachment inquiry. At least eight people have been killed in an explosive fire that consumed dozens of vessels docked at a marina along the Tennessee River in northern Alabama. Stocks finishing lower after China announced a sharp rise in cases of the new coronavirus. The Dow Jones Industrial Average and S&P each fell over 1.1% today, giving up a significant portion of their gains for the month of January. The Dow dropping 453 points today. The Nasdaq was off 175, and the S&P was down 51. This is SRN News. What is it costing you in vet bills for that convenience of just pulling open a bag of formulated, extruded, processed cereal bits? That costs a ton of money anyways. How do you feed your dog to derive not only energy, but a good coat, bright eyes, and a great attitude? Come to Dynavite for help. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I found his raw meat diet on Dynavite.com. With just the raw meat and the eggs and the Dynavite and the Super Omega on top of it. Try Super Omega fish oil. Buy two. Get one free. Ground beef, white rice, um, eggs, including the shells, and the Dynavite supplement, and then a Lico Chops. Try Lico Chops. Buy two. Get one free. It just balances out his body and his mind and his spirit. Adding Dynavite to their diet has every single dog in my kennel looking better than they have ever looked. Their skin is so much better now that they're on the raw diet, I don't even give them the kibble anymore. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. 
We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy! Washington County parents, you have a choice in your child's education. So why not consider a private Christian school that's been serving the community for nearly 40 years? At Central Christian Academy in Houston, pre-K through 8th grade students receive the comprehensive education they need to propel them to the top of the class in high school and beyond. Central Christian Academy creates model student leaders other kids look up to. Students prepared for a world that needs Jesus. Schedule a private tour and learn more at ccaschool.com. 2020 is the year your business is going to thrive. Or will it? Resolve to use digital marketing to your advantage. With the help from the pros at Salem Surround, we give you all the right tools to surround your target audience and turn website visitors into website leads. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital presence and learn how to get your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Tonight, cloudy with a few flurries, low 28. Cloudy tomorrow with flurries, high 35. Mostly cloudy tomorrow night, low 22. Wednesday, some sunshine, high 35. Thursday, turning out partly sunny, high 39. Cloudy on Friday with a high of 40. Saturday, cloudy with a couple of flurries around, high 41. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmett. I think if uh, anything that the death of Kobe Bryant brings back to us is the fragility of life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? That you're here one second and gone the next, and the ripples of your life move forward. Uh, but it is a shock. It is. And uh, I'm not an NBA fan. I did not know Kobe Bryant, you know, certainly not as a person, only as a sort of fringe person uh, in, in my my life. Uh, I just knew he was an NBA player, but a lot of people obviously deeply hurt by his passing. If you have something that you need to say to somebody you love, you should say it. Yes. That's the best thing I can say is you should just say it. Whatever it is, you should say it. One of the things I find difficult, though, and I saw many comments um, about the Kobe Bryant uh, passing in this vein, which was, you know, pictures of of him and his beautiful daughter who also passed away saying, you know, when you are living your life, enjoy it as much as you can because you don't know how long it's going to last. Here's the problem with that. And this is this is a a, um, this is a problem of the human condition that you can't enjoy anything that much we do, we don't have the capacity to enjoy something 
in an eternal, lasting way. It's not possible. No. Everything is fleeting. Everything is fleeting. And if telling telling each other that we need to enjoy life is good, but yeah. you recognize if you're trying to do it that it's slipping through your fingers. Yeah. This is a passing reality. And as much as you try to live fully and as much as you try to jump in and as much as you try to grasp everything, it is ungraspable. I mean, it's sort of like being on the Thunderbolt at Kennywood. You stand in line, you wait, you get on that ride, and it's a blast. It's super fast. It's super fun. And while you're in the midst of it all, you know, you're sort of like, it's happening so quickly, it's hard for you to just kind of go, ah, and then it's over. And as soon as it's over, you kind of think, I'm moving forward to the next thing. Because What's you, next? Because you can't enjoy it any more than you enjoyed it it's just it was a thing and it was over and now you have to do a different thing it's just i think that if you're trying to figure out the mysteries of life and death outside a context of recognizing that there's a creator and he has ordained your days you will end up in despair yes and you know in the midst of all that and those points are well taken kath is to practice a a, a daily act minute by minute of gratefulness Mm -hmm. Because the gratefulness will bring you back to that, the beauty, the power, the fragility, the simplicity you, right. of life. And hopefully it, it links you to those things that are eternal. Yes. Because those are the things that w- that will that are not slippable. Those are the only things that stand. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to be said. You know, when you look at all those nine people and the hopes and dreams and the lives that they were leading, look – you're flying in a helicopter to go to a to, to go to a basketball practice. That's the one percent. You know that is like life. Let people think, oh, that's not that's not you and I. That's not you know ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the people in this world. Right. They were living, as they say, their be- their best life now. Right. Not to minimize their passing at all, but it is when you look at Kobe Bryant and the photos of him and his daughter together. It does break your heart because certainly, you know, at 41 and at 13, there was a heck of a lot more life that was uh, ahead yeah, of Yeah, but the heartbreak is for a woman who lost her spouse and her child yes. in the same day. To try to create. The other them. family who lost a mom and a dad and a child. I mean, it's it's absolutely unthinkable the amount of pain that people live with. I think that's another thing to take away from this is that as much as we give a, a lot of honor and glory to the name and the remembrance and the athletic performance of Kobe Bryant. We think of his family and the the millions of people who've suffered silently in very small lives with very great pain. And there's no way for us to enter into that. But boy, wouldn't it be good for us to take a moment and stop and say, you know what? There is deep and profound suffering all around us. Heck yeah, there is. All around us. I mean, you know, everyone's trying to stay as far away from suffering as much as possible because we are surrounded by it minute by minute, day by day. That's just the nature of what it is to be alive. So that's why I think we live so vicariously through sports and entertainment figures because we lift them up as, well, they don't have those same troubles or worries that we do. But of course they do. It just comes in a different tone and a different flavor. That's all that it is. I think the only other thing that I would say, and we talked about this at the opening of our uh, of our show today in the four o'clock hour, is that there's something about contemporary America that causes us to react to sad things with cynicism and then with bad manners. 
all of the responses on Twitter and Facebook and whatever about the quote-unquote complicated history of Kobe Bryant. I thought, look, everybody who dies has a complicated history. Sure do. But at the funeral is not the time to remember it. Mm -hmm. It's the time to reach out, to care for the people who are grieving, to be present, to mourn, to grieve. Look, you take years to talk about complicated history. Now, it's just not appropriate, so be quiet. Right. Well, again, that is, that is the age we live in where people want to be first to throw someone under a I bus think, or I think first to it, talk about that bad it's news. It's profoundly unsavory. Of course it is. This is the this is the age, right? And it's a first world problem, but it's it's an ancient problem as well. The only difference is we have the tools now to amplify the wretchedness of our own sins. I thought of Psalm 103 when uh, I heard about the death of Kobe Bryant, and I thought about this um, this verse a lot. This this is kind of the middle of the chapter, but it says, "As for man, his days are like grass; he flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more." Mm-hmm. That's the sadness of it. Yeah. But that is the truth of it. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him. And his righteousness with their children's children. Amen to that. I mean, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, people will not speak of Kobe Bryant. Or if they do, they'll speak of him in a way that is that honors his physical achievements. But he can't be present. Present. He. It, it's again the the memories are the ones that slip through your fingers. Right. But from everlasting to everlasting, yeah. that's what we focus on. Right. The eternal. We'll take a break. Uh, We've got a strong hour for you. You want to stick around because um, in just a little bit, we're going to talk about the genealogical Adam and Eve, the surprising science of universal ancestry. Don't miss this. Obamacare, Trump Care, Affordable Care, Cobra, all these choices, and they all seem to bring one word to mind, expensive. There are lots of changes happening in healthcare today, but fortunately, I know someone who's been on the forefront of health insurance for years, and it's Todd Marley at Marley Financial. Todd and his team of professionals are licensed with virtually every healthcare provider in the country. They expertly help you to choose the best plan for your needs and do so prudently. Don't need maternity coverage? Call Marley Financial. Do you have pre-existing conditions? Call Marley Financial. Do you want just catastrophic or just accident? You know the answer. All of Marley's plans are ACA compliant, and because they know how to design the plans, most of their clients save 30 to 60%, which can add up to several thousands of dollars a year. So give Todd a call. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. That's 724-884-1496 or on the web, marleyfg.com. 101.5 Word FM. Next time on Orchard Hill Today. Money is a good thing. It's super helpful that you can go to the grocery store and you don't have to take your goat over your shoulder and trade it for something. It's easy. It's simple. It's convenient. This week, Joel Haldeman, campus pastor of Orchard Hill Church in the Strip District, continues our series Life Hacks, looking at what kind of experiences and emotions going through trials can create in our lives. Be sure to join us weekday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Orchard Hill Today on 101.5 Word FM. Howard Thurman's theology of radical nonviolence inspired a generation of civil rights leaders and gave a voice to the disinherited. Join Pittsburgh Theological Seminary 
Seminary for the 6th Annual Community Conversation on Race and Faith, Friday, February 7th at 5.30 p.m., featuring a free screening of Backs Against the Wall, the Howard Thurman story, followed by a discussion with Emmy Award-winning filmmaker Martin Doblemeyer and Professor Walter E. Fluker. Free and open to the public. Details at pts.edu. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Pick up two bottles of Licko Chops, get the third bottle free. New improved Licko Chops with omega-6, omega-3, vitamin E, and now six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. And dogs love it. Try Licko Chops. Buy two, get one free. This is Henry Lukasiewicz for Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Autocorrect on my iPhone will change the word previous and precious because it's only one letter different. This Valentine's Day, Word FM presents Date Night with comedian Marty Simpson. So on my 19th wedding anniversary, I accidentally tweeted, I love spending the last 19 years with my previous wife. A night to laugh as a couple. February 14th at Christ Church at Grove Farm in Sewickley. General admission just $30. VIP dinner tickets also available. Hashtag sleeping on the couch. At wordfm.com slash date night. We've been doing uh, this show, The Ride Home, for more than a decade. And there are few things that we talk about that are more contentious than young earth, old earth. I mean, it's one of those things that we get, people get angry about it as though it's a salvific issue. The fact that we are talking about it today has already engendered some anxiety on my part because I'm recognizing (laughs) that my email box will become quickly overwhelmed by all the people who are not going to like what we say. Now, here's the thing. Over the years, though, we've tried to welcome people from different perspectives. Always. On origins. But we look for people who approach the subject honestly and from a place of goodwill. Mm -hmm. And I say that because there are many people who talk about this issue from a place that I believe is divisive. It becomes quickly contentious or someone's wagging their finger at me for not following along in lockstep with their beliefs. Right, which is why we were so excited to see the new book by Dr. Joshua Swamidas because it seems like he's coming at this attitudinally from the same place we are, which is we want to figure it out. But more than that, we want to figure it out in a way that is kind and humble as we search through complex issues. The new work is called The Genealogical Adam and Eve, The Surprising Science of Universal Ancestry. Dr. Joshua Swamidas is a scientist, a physician, and associate professor of laboratory and genomic medicine at Washington University in St. Louis, where he uses artificial intelligence to explore science at the intersection of medicine, biology, and chemistry. Joshua, doctor, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Dr. Swami Das, let's start with this. You write in your book that the question of human origins shows that the church and science tell different stories. So tell us, what is the traditional account of Adam and Eve? It's a great question, and I also want to say I, I really appreciate your introduction. I think my real goal here is not to argue, and not to continue an old argument, but to really find a way to make space for differences yes. with the honest account of science that really takes Scripture seriously. So um, one thing that I really look at with Scripture is how people really interpreted it over the last 2,000 years in church history. Mm-hmm. It's the way I really talk about the story that we get from Genesis when we look at it from that historical point of view, is that Adam and Eve were special creations made by a direct act of God. 
They were relatively recent in the Middle East, so less than 10,000 years ago, and that they're ancestors of all of us. That's how that's the story that I learned as young as creationist as a child. And then the story of science is the story of evolution, where we share common ancestry with great apes, meaning bonobos, orangutans, chimpanzees, and gorillas. So with that overlay, uh, I'm always curious, Doctor, about people who join us and their faith perspective, and with you especially, your faith and science perspective. Can you go back and talk to us about how faith came into your life and with that the overlay of your intellectual curiosity of science? Yeah, that's a great question. So I was raised a young earth creationist. Uh, I'm no longer a young earth creationist, but I see a great deal of legitimacy to that point of view. Most of my family is still a young earth creationist, too. Okay. Uh, and and I uh, was also really drawn to science. And as I, as I encountered science as a child, I, I really worked through how to make sense of these two different stories. And the one thing that happened over and over again is that people were certain that these two stories were in conflict, but I I couldn't find the conflict for myself. Hmm. And so I became a skeptic of the conflict. And this book really explains really how all of that finally clicked into place. I see. So then then with that, is there, I guess what I would call um, a balance or a proper relationship between faith and science? Uh, That's another great question. I do think there is a proper relationship. I think the relationship is supposed to be dialogue, where we recognize that there's um, that there is truth in Scripture that is inerrant and inspired, uh, and it's still also not the whole story, but it's a critically important part of the story that God's told us. At the same time, that there is truth that science is discovering, and there's a legitimacy to it, even if it's only a partial account. Right. And so it's kind of like the two blind men, uh, and you're trying to make sense of an elephant, that the only way that we have to really figure out the whole story together is to be in dialogue where questions are taken seriously, where there's constructive resistance, and we try and figure out how to make sense of everything together. Mm-hmm. One of the things, um, Joshua, that's been difficult for John and I as we've tried to wade through these issues as non-scientists is um, trying to balance our appreciation of science. I think we're both because it's not our field, we're intimidated by it, we're a little in awe of it, and we hold it in, in high regard. And so it's difficult for us when we run into into people inside the Christian subculture who tend to say, well, if someone who's not a Christian has discovered something scientifically, it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say I've yet to find a person who actually was consistent with that, because they still use a lot of technology. That's a good point. That, that's that way. I, I think I think that science is not a complete account of the world, but there's legitimacy to it. I do not believe there's a. It's, it's tenable to say that there's a massive conspiracy in science to misrepresent what we're finding there. That doesn't mean that science doesn't make mistakes, or we need to be careful about how how we do it. I like how C.S. Lewis puts it. He says that he's he he would have concerns. He, he writes this in Theology of Poetry. He says he would have real concerns about swallowing the whole scientific narrative whole. But um, but he can grant some legitimacy to it, and he wants to make sense of it in a theological way. I see. And I think that that's a good way to hold it, hmm. and where we can have, once again, constructive resistance, where we ask questions that really need to be taken seriously. And I have to say that one of my big concerns is that, there, that the legitimate and good faith questions that have arisen in the Church regarding, uh, regarding human origins have not always been uh, really engaged with honesty and rigor. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so Joshua, you're with um, your peers, and you start to talk about the geological, the genealogical Adam and Eve. Uh, people say uh, other scientists who are not people of faith, Adam and Eve. That's a great story, wonderful, you know, biblical story. But uh, the first man, the story of Adam. There can be no scientific basis for that whatsoever. Clearly, uh, you're off the rails as a scientist. What do you say? <laughs> well, I mean, that's when science, uh, rightly told, slips into a very strange sort of thing that is not actually science. Science never intends to give us a complete account. Let me give an example. I think most of us would agree that racism is wrong. Uh, in fact, many of my secular colleagues would even say that racism is objectively wrong. Yet, I can't show you that racism is wrong from science. And yet, we still think that that's something that's true. There's a lot of true things that are not stated within science. And we're not really troubled by that when those things, we're certainly not troubled if those things are not in conflict with the evidence. And what we find out is that the testimony of Scripture, even if taken in a very literal, uh, youngest creationist way, is not in conflict with the scientific evidence as long as we... Uh, we keep in mind that there could have been people outside the garden uh, that eventually interbred with Adam and his descendants. And that's consistent with both the hints of Scripture and the Genesis tradition. So I think what I'm getting from what you're saying so far, Joshua, is that there's a lot of hubris on both sides. There's hubris on the part of science, um, taking science into the realm of scientism, which is that the only way that we understand anything about the world is through science, right? So there's a hubris there. But there's also hubris on the other side, those who would be young earth creationists or those who are inside the Christian subculture and distrust anything that science could discover from the natural world. Yes? Yeah, I would say that the issue is not. Uh, with, with, you, you mentioned earth creationism, and I, I was raised in earth creationist, and I think there are many different types of earth creationists. And this book, I want to be very clear, is not designed to convince you that evolution is true. It's just a thought experiment. And I think there are faithful ways of holding to a young earth creation. However, my deep concern has been when man's interpretation of Genesis has been substituted for what God actually said in Genesis. Mm, okay. Okay, so our, so so it's so it's a particular reading of the scripture. It's not whether you're anti or pro scripture. Yeah. So, and many people who are doing that claim the most loudly that they care about scripture, yet they substitute their own word, their own their own interpretation, their own word for God's word. And when I looked at scripture itself, and then I looked at the tradition too, you see that. There's always been a mystery outside the garden. There's been a big question mark about what's out there. People have wondered about, about Cain's wife. People have wondered about uh, questions about the Table of Nations. People have wondered about a whole host of little questions that arise through Genesis that seem to hint that there's people outside the garden. And now, of course, one interpretation is that there was no one. But to say that that interpretation is a teaching of Scripture and to question there, I just don't know how that is kind of... Mm, I see. Okay. So then, then there is no incompatibility between um, Genesis and traditional views of evolution? Well, uh, of, uh, well, well traditional views of evolution, what do you mean? Well, you know, uh, that, you know, it's Darwinism, that mm -hmm. man, you know, sprung from the ape. Yeah, so let me be clear about what I mean by evolution. Sometimes evolution is used to mean Darwinism, uh, which is actually a defunct theory in science. Um, I'm really much more concerned about what current scientists think. Um, and what I really mean here is not to deny that God had a role providentially or even his action in bringing this about, 
but merely that his process of creation was some providentially governed uh, common descent. Mm, okay. That's all I mean. Okay. I okay all right. Good. And so that doesn't deny God's action in any way. I know it's a common confusion in the church. Also, it's common to think that Darwinism is the same thing as evolutionary. Right, science. right. That's not true. I get that. Okay. And so all I mean is that. And, and so that just means that the people outside the garden might have been created by this providentially governed uh, process of common descent, but Adam and Eve could have been specially created. And then as their lineages in our bread, they very quickly became ancestors of everyone, not genetic ancestors like a mitochondrial Eve or a Y chromosome Adam, but they became genealogical ancestors of everyone before Jesus even walks the earth. And in that way, the, the Genesis account could be entirely true, it's full from the perspective of Adam and even the descendants. With this mystery outside of the garden, that we find out that science is just filled in. Hmm. The Genealogical Adam and Eve is the new book, The Surprising Science of Universal Ancestry. We're talking to author S. Joshua Swamidas. So, Joshua, detail for us then the difference between looking at a genetic Adam and Eve and a genealogical Adam and Eve. Yeah, so there's a large number of differences. Um, turns out that uh, ancestry was a word that was deeply misunderstood. We tend to think that people who give us DNA are the same people we descend from, but there's this weird thing that happens when we look at this closely. So genetic ancestors is someone that gives you DNA, but most of the people from whom we descend in the past don't actually give us DNA. The ones that do give us DNA are a little bit like lottery winners. Hmm. And so those genealogical ancestors that are not our genetic ancestors are called genetic ghosts. And it turns out they're very numerous, they're very recent, and they rise really robustly. And so that's actually the big, one of the big distinctions that starts to make space in the scientific account to understand, uh, to understand, understand Genesis alongside it. Okay, so again, you're speaking to a non-scientist here, so I need to go back and, and clarify that. So you're saying that genetically speaking, the people that give us DNA are our moms and dads. So you're saying that that genetic pool is recent, but genealogically speaking, there are more that speak into who we are who are more ancient? Sort of. Let me try and explain a little more um, a little more with a word picture. So imagine yourself, your parents are both your genealogical ancestors, 100%, but they're only 50% your genetic ancestors. Your grandparents are only, I mean, are 100% your genealogical ancestors, but they're only 25% your genetic ancestors. Mm, okay. Your, your great-grandparents okay. Yeah, okay. are only one, one eighth, and you kind of go down like that. And so very quickly, just in a few, a few centuries, it turns out the majority of people from whom you descend didn't actually happen to ask you any DNA. I see. Well, that's fascinating. Okay, so Joshua, I mean, the, the church is, and you know, you've written so beautifully about this, it's so conflicted, so divided on the, the story of evolution. Um, to do this, uh, this ex, you know, and I, you're, I think you're calling it a, you're calling it a thought experiment in some way. I mean, um, it, it, will there ever be? I, I, I'll answer my own question. Of course, there'll never be, right? One voice on where we are as evolution, as far as the church is concerned. Does that even matter? That's a great question. So I, I don't actually think it, it, I think the, the I think it matters. Maybe the opposite of what you might think. I think we want to have as many ways as possible of holding the reality we're finding in science together with faithful readings of Genesis as possible. 
I think when you look at the the best of the church traditions, it's like a cord of many strands. It's not like a chain with many links. Mm, mm-hmm. A chain with many links, one link breaks and it all falls apart. Yeah. When uh, with a cord of many strands, the one strand breaks, you still are fully there. And I think when I see the diversity of the church, I really like how the Lausanne Covenant puts it, which, which I do personally affirm, is that, uh, that there's a many-colored wisdom to the church. And that becomes visible as we learn to work together. So I understand that Origins has been a deeply conflicted space where people are generally arguing for their own point of view. This book doesn't press my point of view. If you read it closely, I realize I don't even disclose my personal point of view. Rather, I'm trying to make space for differences in a civic practice of science that would serve science, society, and the church. Mm -hmm. Joshua, uh, last question for you. What I've appreciated most about our conversation and what I've read in your book is that you're... I love your longing to find the actual meaning of Scripture and try to, as much as you can, divorce yourself from how we've read it in the past or how what we think it means and going back instead to what it actually means. That is a hard journey because what we think it means <laughs> is built on so many things and, and a lot of them are worthy and a lot of them are unworthy. How do you, how do you, how have you stripped that in your mind to try to get at the actual truth? That's a great question. Once again, I'll say. Remember, I was raised young Earth creationist. Yes. I I, I I was raised with a very high value on scripture that I mean to this day. And what I've found is that the scripture scripture is not really meant to be interpreted merely alone. It needs to be interpreted in community. And so, um, so that's the key piece of it. And I think there's two types of community that are really critical. One was engaging with different sorts of uh, people, especially people with different expertise and different traditions in the church today. There were several scholars that contributed to conversation on this with me in this book. That's one thing. But then the second thing is to really interpret Scripture in conversation with the concerns and questions and views of Christians throughout the last 2,000 years. The community of that, that, that long conversation of theology. Through there, we kind of see how people with different concerns came to Genesis and how they understood it and how we can start to learn what is it that the church has really seen to be critically important. I think one thing that really confused me deeply, and this is a huge part of me leaving Young Earth Creationism in the end, was that I was told that Young Earth Creationism in its most scientific forms and its most aggressive forms was the traditional account. And I found out that actually it was very, very different from what Christians in history actually believed to be true. And so as I left uh, Young Earth Creationism, I became much more deeply uh, connected to the long conversation of theology over the last 2,000 years. And that is kind of in conversation there. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sure does. It does. We have to continue this conversation. We'd love to have you join us again at a future time. Yes, the genealogical Adam and Eve, Dr. Joshua Swamidas. Joshua, thanks so much. Fascinating. We'll take a quick break, come back. Uh, We've got more ahead. Stick around. your chance to enter the Rocket Mortgage Super Bowl Square sweepstakes. The largest official game of Super Bowl Squares ever with millions of dollars in prizes 
And best of all, it's free to enter. Every score change during Super Bowl 54 pays out $50,000. That's right, touchdowns, field goals, safeties, even extra points. We'll draw one lucky winner from the corresponding square to win $50,000. It could be you! Plus, two grand prize winners will win a half million dollars they could use toward their dream home. See rules and enter now at rocketmortgagesquares.com. Then tune in February 2nd to see if you win rocket mortgage official mortgage sponsor of super bowl 54 enter by january 30th 2020 no purchase necessary 18 years or older except alabama nebraska and mississippi ends january 30th licensed all 50 states nmls number 3030 the nfl is not sponsored promotion in any way everyone gets hungry before the party why not give them something worth talking about without lifting a finger food the cooked goose catering company provides homemade satisfaction that puts you at ease whatever the occasion Right now, get their special appetizer package added to your next menu. An inviting selection of hors d'oeuvres starting at $6.95 per person. Visit cookedgoosecatering.com slash word and see what's cooking. The Cooked Goose Catering Company. Just good food. Alcohol use during pregnancy can lead to miscarriage, stillbirth, and a range of physical and intellectual disabilities known as fetal alcohol syndrome. This is Dr. David Stevens of the Christian Medical Association. If you drink and are planning on getting pregnant, stop. If you find out you're pregnant, stop drinking immediately. There's no cure for fetal alcohol syndrome, and the sooner you stop, the safer it will be for you and your baby. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, TuneIn, and on radio.com, in the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Tonight, cloudy with a few flurries, low 28. Cloudy tomorrow with flurries, high 35. Mostly cloudy tomorrow night, low 22. Wednesday, some sunshine, high 35. Thursday, turning out partly sunny, high 39. Cloudy on Friday with a high of 40. Saturday, cloudy with a couple of flurries around, high 41. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. I was up at Grove City College on Saturday with my husband. Oh, how was that? It was great. I was up there for a swim meet because my daughter is a is a varsity swimmer, and it was Hall of Fame Day for the swim team. And so they were inducting four people into the Grove City Swimming Hall of Fame. Cool. Okay, which, you know, of course, you know, it's terrific, and there was a lot of cheering and whatever. But... Um, <laughs> But but Grove City did a great job of doing a um, a video, uh, several video montages of what was going on in on the swim team while these people were at their best. Mm. So there was a lot of video footage of them going to NCAA finals. There was a lot of racing footage. There was a lot of workout footage. All those sorts of things. But I have to tell you, I I came away. My husband and I both did after that, thinking, you know, tiny little Grove City College. With an enrollment of what, 2,500? Yeah. They have produced spectacular athletes. I mean, to see what these three girls in particular, and I say these three women in particular because they graduated in the same year in 2013, but the amount of skill and ability that they were able to bring to that tiny school in this small part of Pennsylvania and were able to to reach such heights at, at NCAA finals on a national level, it's unbelievable. Fabulous. So if you're thinking of Grove City College, you're not thinking, it might be a small college, but you're not thinking a small college perspective. No. So whether it's sports, the arts, or the education itself, it's all excellence at Grove City College. Look online for that, gcc.edu. 
75 years ago today, at the winding down, the conclusion of World War II, Soviet troops were walking through Germany, and there they stumbled upon Auschwitz. And as the Soviet troops entered into the gates of Auschwitz, they saw piles of boots and shoes. They saw piles of clothing, and they thought, what is this? This is a warehouse? And then, as the gates opened up, the skeletons of those survivors stepped forward and started to cry out. And it took a long time for the Soviets to comprehend what exactly they were witnessing. And that was the first time that history started to peel back the true horror of the concentration camp machinery, which was Nazi Germany. 75 years ago today, and then today at Auschwitz, some 200 survivors, still alive. Wow. Men and women in their 90s showed up once again to say Hitler did not win. What a victory that they survived. What a victory. We should never forget, especially with the rise recently of anti-Semitism. We've seen it here in the city of Pittsburgh with the Tree of Life. We should never forget the horrors of what Nazi Germany was and the hatred of the Jews. We'll take a break and come back. The, the virus that is spreading across the world in China and making its way. I mean, how worried should we be? Should we be worried? I think maybe you're overreacting. Ralph Cruz with us from the Carnegie Science Center to talk to us about that in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. 101.5 WORD. Next time on The Journey with Ron Moore. In the midst of your darkest night, there can be a joyful Thanksgiving because you are qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints. Your qualification for heaven cannot be taken away. Hi, I'm Ron Moore. Join us each weekday morning at 1130 on 101.5 Word FM. If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats. Recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and of course, paper pusher. But not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employee data easily and automates countless tasks so you can focus on people, not paperwork. Bamboo HR frees you from spreadsheets so you can do your real job, creating a great place to work. If the data shuffle and paperwork mountain have you ready to hang up all your hats, you're ready for Bamboo. If you handle HR records and paperwork, Bamboo HR is a dream. Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to bamboohr.com slash HR. This is a limited offer, only available to radio listeners at bamboohr.com slash HR. That's bamboohr.com slash HR. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit ExtremeTruck.net. 412-257-1006, ExtremeTruck.net. Howard Thurman's theology of radical nonviolence inspired a generation of civil rights leaders and gave a voice to the disinherited. Join Pittsburgh Theological Seminary for the 6th Annual Community Conversation on Race and Faith, Friday, February 7th at 5.30 p.m., featuring a free screening of Backs Against the Wall, The Howard Thurman Story, followed by a discussion with Emmy Award-winning 
filmmaker Martin Doblemeyer and Professor Walter E. Fluker. Free and open to the public. Details at pts.edu. I love the joy that children bring to the office. Good dental habits begin early with Dr. Megan Stock. I like creating those good, positive first experiences. My mommy is a really good dentist and she'll take good care of you. Visit StockFamilyDentistry.com. You have my word on it. We depend on our drinking water supply daily, but where does that water come from? Your water provider encourages you to get to know your local water source so together we can protect and preserve it. The investments we make as a community to protect our water source now ensure we have a sustainable drinking water supply for the future. Visit drinktap.org to learn more. This message is brought to you by the American Water Works Association and your local water provider. The coronavirus. I mean, you hear about these daily updates from I mean, China. People are freaking out. Of course. I mean, so people are dying in China. There are confirmed cases that have made their way to the United States. Is this, is it just spin or is it something we should be concerned about? Ralph Crew is with us. Ralph is joining us from the Carnegie Science Center. He is the program development coordinator. Ralph, um, it's a science issue. Sure it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's an issue that I think people should take seriously. I mean, certainly people's lives are on the line. But I think it helps if you take a step back and kind of put it in perspective. We have okay. viruses all the time that are uh, deadly. One example that's really notable everyone has experienced with is the flu. In the United States last year, over 20 million people had the flu bad enough that they had a medical um, visit of 20 some kind. million people right. had the flu last year. Yeah, and several. But they had to go to the doctors. And not bad enough to go to the doctors. So that doesn't count the ones who just, just stayed, stayed at home. Stayed home, which is what I <laughs> yeah, me tend too. To do. Yeah. Um, but of those, you know, uh, I think the the mortality was about six thousand just in the United States, which is is terrible. But it's something that I think we're all sort of used to. Used to. I hate to say that. It's it doesn't like scare us the way but coronavirus which again is a serious thing uh has has a death toll from last i looked was about 80 people which you know that's no joke but it's nowhere near this virus that none of us are flipping out about so then why does the news media make a big deal of the news media well no something's coming right well i think one of the reasons they do is that it's novel all right so it has just showed up but it's a particular flavor of coronavirus that is new Coronaviruses in general are something that we've all been exposed to most likely. Really? It's the second most common family of virus that gives you a cold. So you may have heard of a rhinovirus. That's the most likely virus that you have when you have a cold. But after that, it's likely that you've had a coronavirus. They call them that, by the way, because under an electron microscope, these viruses resemble a crown or almost the sun's corona. That okay. Kind of look. Um, so not the beer. Not the beer. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to see if yeah, there was a link. Correlation. No. Um, so, I, I, you know, it is certainly worth looking at. It, in this case, it seems to have transferred from an animal into the human population. And when that happens, that's fairly rare. It's called zoonosis. But that is how some major diseases come about. It's certainly worth attention. But, uh, you know, as as a person in the Western world with access to regular medical care, I'm, I'm not concerned. I'm not losing any sleep over okay. it. Um, and I think there are other viruses that I think if people had a little bit more of a feel of what viruses are, they mm-hmm. would feel a little less scared. I see. Okay, so I mean th- that's good to hear because you know, uh, like at the same time, while the news media, you know, every time you click on, you know, the New York Times or whatever, there's sort of like a daily tally or an update. At the same time, uh, just by I don't know happenstance or what, Netflix has premiered a new series called Pandemic, <laughs> and of course, you, you know, you think you go back to you know the bubonic plague. I mean, sure. I'm kind of expecting you know at some point millions. 
millions of people worldwide will perish. Right. Uh, well, I think that's very unlikely with this one. Also, it's already been identified. It's, it's fairly well contained, and people are working on on uh, some treatments for it. Uh, right now, the treatment is just supportive care, so you know, making sure people have fluids and that they're well taken care of otherwise. But they're, uh, the, the National Institute for Health is already working on a vaccine for it. Okay. Uh, this is not something that I am worried about like infecting millions of people. Okay, so Kath is going to travel uh, to Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Next She's week. worried about wearing a face mask. I'm not worried. You're worried. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I mean, if you're into face masks, go for it. John said, I think you should get a couple face masks. And I said, for what? And he's like, well, for the coronavirus. And I said, Indonesia is very far away from Wuhan, China. It is. Now, here's my other question. When I see someone wearing a surgical mask, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure whether the problem is on the inside or the outside of the mask. What do you mean? Do you know what I mean? Like you're keeping it in or is it coming towards you? Exactly. That's the question. I actually think that sometimes sick people will wear it. And that's, that's kind of polite. It's nice. It is. I, I appreciate wish it. People did that more over right. here. Except if if the person who's wearing the mask thinks that I'm the problem, then right. I feel kind of badly. Well, you know, but I mean, haven't you ever been worried about getting sick sometimes? Like if you have something sure. important coming up, you like get right. a little anxious about mm-hmm. getting sick. Right. I work at the science center, so we have thousands of children come by. Right. Oh my right. god. So there, so are diseases, <laughs> there are diseases yeah. all over that place. <laughs> right. Okay. So then, when you see someone wearing one of these face masks, I generally go, "Yee, I got to stay away from that person." Right. But you're saying me, they're they're doing me a favor. Right. I mean, if they weren't wearing that face mask and they sneezed and it was an aerosolized uh, kind of virus, that would be very dangerous for you compared to if they were wearing a mask. So I think they're they're being right. kind, really. Okay, terrific. Now, is there anything that the average American can do to shore up? Wash your hands. Uh, yeah, I mean, wash your hands. Um, you Clean know, your phone. Try to we read an article about that last contact week. Contact with uh, sick people. Uh, so, so things like this spread through either sometimes through the air, uh, through close personal contact, through contaminated surfaces, and very rarely through the oral fecal route. But basically, if you're washing your hands and just doing the normal sort of hygiene that you should be doing, I think you'll be okay um, and avoid. But uh, again, like I don't think this changes my general feel for you know disease overall i think the way that my lifestyle is 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 not going to change much because of this unless we see a big change from where we are today all right so you know in a month from now if i'm lying in bed i'll go Dang you, Ralph Crew! <laughs> you told me I should have Also, I should worried. say, I am not a medical doctor. <laughs> right. You have medical questions. Nor does he play one on television. Exactly. All right, how about we take a break? When we come back, we're going to talk about what's coming up at the Carnegie Science Center, all the cool things we can expect, and why we should all go see the Mummies exhibit. Very awesome. nice. Ralph Crew, Program Development Coordinator, Carnegie Science Center, sticking around. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing throughout the country, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-500-5588. If you owe back taxes to the IRS, IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-500-5588 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-500-5588 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-500-5588. How does Eden Christian Academy prepare students for success? 
through education that ignites the mind and inspires the spirit from pre-K through 12th grade with over 50 professionally certified full-time teachers and opportunities in sports, the arts, and service to the community with results like SAT scores 200 points over the national average. Schedule a tour at any of Eden's three North Hills campuses and see what the area's largest non-denominational Christian school has to offer at EdenChristianAcademy.org. Got issues with youth or high school sports? Positive Coaching Alliance can help. PCA, a national nonprofit, offers more than a 1,000 free online resources for youth and high school sports coaches, parents, students, and administrators. Visit PCADevZone.org. You know, they say the best is yet to come. But to make that true for your retirement, you need a plan. Well, start by tuning in for Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kanodik and Ethan Lane with Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10. Kurt and Ethan can help simplify the retirement planning process. No technical terms or calculations, no product pushing, just the information you need for retirement. Don't miss Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kanodik and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10, right here on 101.5 Word FM. God told Isaiah to walk the earth naked for three years, and here's how much faith Isaiah had. He did it! This Valentine's Day, Word FM presents Date Night with comedian Marty Simpson. Which I think explains the credibility issue Isaiah had with the Old Testament Jews. At Christ Church at Grove Farm in Sewickley. Little kids would come in the house and be like, Mama, Mama, the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming. Who told you that? Isaiah told me that. Naked Isaiah tell you that? General admission, just $30 at wordfm.com slash date night. Go to your room. Premature birth is the number one killer of babies. Those who survive often face birth defects and complications that affect them for life. For hundreds of thousands of families in the United States, this is the hardest thing they will ever have to face. And it's even harder on the baby. March of Dimes is providing education and support to families and funding life-saving research to give every baby a fighting chance. You can help. Do something today. Give them tomorrow at marchadimes.org slash tomorrow. Ralph Cruz with us from the Carnegie Science Center. Ralph, we love when you come because you give us like a perspective on the cool stuff that we could be seeing if we would get out of our house in the middle of winter and actually go to the Carnegie Science Center. Because there's always cool things going on. There is always cool stuff going on at the Science Center. Uh, Probably the most exciting thing is still our mummies exhibit. If you haven't seen mummies, that's gotten a lot of good publicity in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it is the world's largest traveling exhibit of mummies. Period. So it's it's a really special experience. Um, and it's really impactful, even if you're not that into science. Sometimes people are like, well, you know, science wasn't my favorite subject. Why should I go to the science center? This this is impactful, I think, to every human being. If you're an alive mm. person and you go see this, That's it connects right. you to different eras of history and the ways of life, from whether it's ancient Egypt or uh, the mountains of Peru or, you know, 17th century Hungary. It's just amazing stuff. And with the mummies, it really makes it all feel so real. Sometimes historical periods and anthropology can feel sort of abstract and disconnected. Not at all in mummies. You really feel mm. connected to this whole other world. And so I, describe it. You walk through and there's actual mummies there. Yes. So we have various mummies, uh, both human mummies and we have animal mummies, which is pretty neat. Both uh, spontaneous mummies, which are mummies that have been preserved through mm. natural processes sort of accidentally. Like the bog people. Like the bog people. We have the only bog people uh sample that travels the world all the other ones are in permanent displays there's one that actually travels around the world and we've got it so you can come and see that um and then yeah we do also have there are artifacts there are video elements it's it's a beautifully put together space it's in our brand new traveling exhibit Mm -hmm. gallery so it's just it's well lit that's where the da vinci exhibit was yes it's where da vinci was which i loved which was also wonderful 
Uh, and it's been really fun for us because we get to see as these these amazing programs come through, we get to yeah. to see them and get to know. So, Ralph, I hear people kind of go, you know, well, yeah, it might be a little creepy for me. Is it creepy? Um, it, it, I mean, it is human remains. So, to some extent, yes. If you're very squeamish, you might want to at least go with a friend. Um, you know, but it's I, I find it more fascinating than anything. And I, interestingly, I've seen that from for visitors, most most of the kids go. They love it. I bet they have a great time. It's occasionally an adult will feel a little squeamish. There's nothing, you know, like there's nothing really like violent or upsetting in there. But they are, of course, yeah, human preserved remains. human right. remains. Right. And you can identify them as people. Some of them still have skin and hair. And, wow. Um, Thousands of years old. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Some of our I think our oldest people that we have are almost 3,000 years old. Can you imagine? What the heck? Wow. Okay, what else other than mummies? Well, I mean, we have lots of great events. Of course, you can check out CarnegieScienceCenter.org for an exhaustive list. A couple of uh, the ones that are coming up that I'm excited about, we've got Cafe Sci, which is our monthly science lecture series. This is an opportunity, and it's free, by the way, which I think is is awesome. The next one, it's a a week from today um, at 7 o'clock. And uh, we have a, a really dynamic young new professor from Carnegie Mellon University. Her name is Destiny Nock, and she is doing a talk all about electricity production and storage and ways mm. to do it better in the future, which is, I think, actually an issue that impacts It is an issue. Everybody. Sure, sure. And we talk about uh, issues regarding electricity, whether solar or mm-hmm. thermal or geothermal, like we know what we're talking about. Right. Well, she really knows what mm. she's talking about, and she's... She's really still. She, you can feel the sort of sense of hunger for science and and for progress when you talk to her. Oh, she, and, that and if you great. come to the event, you get to you can you'll have a chance to actually ask her questions too. Which is, I mean, where else do you get a chance to interface with a real cutting edge scientist like that? I think that's a really great program. Wow, yeah, I love that. Um, and it's free. And it is free, which is a great price. The parking isn't free. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes people come and expect that. Um, but and it's yeah. moderated by you. Yes, I am the host of it, so I'm a little biased for that program. What are the but, dates? Uh, so the next date is the first Monday of February. I think it's the third. Oh, okay, one Monday. week from tonight. Yeah, it's the day after the Super Bowl. One week and one hour from one tonight. One week, one hour. <laughs> Doors open at 6. There's actually food and, and, and drinks available for between 6 and 7. You can hang out and mingle with the other science-curious uh, people out there. And then Pittsburgh uh, geeks, yeah, yeah, unite. And there's definitely there's there the is nerd a, fest. a bit of a nerd fest going on, mm-hmm. but in a really good way. Yeah, and, and everyone is really welcome. People from all different backgrounds show up. I think it's a blast. Um, and then the following weekend, we actually have an astronomical evening uh, called Skywatch on the seventh. And that one is really dear to my heart. We have a big telescope on our roof. Most people don't even know it's up there. It's a really special place. If you've ever been on the elevator at the Science Center and you see that fifth floor button that says staff only, Mm -hmm. you'll get to go up there. I always um, wondered about how does it. a telescope work with all that all that light? How does it cut through that? Well, so it doesn't exactly cut through it, but we um, we focus on relatively bright targets, and we do have a really good telescope. So um, I mean, we have like a research grade instrument up there. It's in its own dome that moves around. It's cool. got like a slit that opens up on the front of it. It's really cool. Is that free? Um, that is. It's not free, but it's close. It's like four dollars. Cool. So um, so inexpensive. You take your family inexpensive. down. Inexpensive. You, you know. don't need admission to the whole science center to go to it either you can show up uh we have a seven o'clock and a nine o'clock session on the seventh it's four dollars uh and i believe it's two dollars for members and i and actually if you bring a telescope then it is free oh, if you bring, what if, if you, you bring a bring telescope, telescope yeah byot but, but you have to have ha, you have to be able to set it up we're not um, sure. sometimes people ask us to put together their stuff and no, that's, no, no, no. um who would but, do that one of the why would things, someone do that yeah <laughs> 
You'd be surprised. <laughs> I guess. So it's like, kind of like a star party. It is It is a star party. But unlike most star parties, the weather doesn't take us out because we have a theater of the stars, right? We have the region's what best is? planetarium. And there's nothing like it. We And no matter what happens up with the roof, whether the weather conditions are appropriate for stargazing or not, we are able to fly around the universe and the solar system. We can go see the rings of Saturn or the moons of Jupiter. That's and cool. It's a blast. So that and many, many more things. Check out our wow. theater. we got lots of good movies playing. Um, and just you know, come see us. It's actually a great time of year to come to the Science Center because we're not yet totally flooded with field trips. So if, mm-hmm. if you're a family and you get a chance to come down, perfect time. There nice. might be some space. John and I went to see a movie there uh, in November. We had a terrific time. Well, you don't remember? <laughs> remember the Apollo movie that oh, we saw? Oh, the Apollo film. Yeah, yeah you sure. remember yeah, that yeah, now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Apollo yeah. was incredible. It, it was. was yeah. It was. I haven't been in that theater in a long time. Okay, so the Carnegie Science Center, there's always something fun, interesting, and great for your family. Uh, whether it's a free event like next week or very inexpensive like the following week, mm-hmm. check it out, Carnegie Science Center. Yeah, and you can check CarnegieScienceCenter.org to learn more. Thank you, Ralph. Ralph Thank Crew you. from the Carnegie Science Center. The Ride Home with John and Kathy. A production of Salem Media Group.